feet this morning. And if you want to clap, you could clap. That's all right. Don't let them hold you back. How y'all doing this morning? How many are you are here for the first time? Wave at us real quick. Wave at us. Wave at us real quick. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Online, thank you for joining us. Have an extra cup of coffee for me today. If you would, that'd be amazing. Philippians, if we'll just, y'all ready to jump in the Word? Do we need to talk about anything? We good? Okay, let's jump in the Word. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now as at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care for me, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned the secret in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And let the church say it. Amen. Today I want to talk to you from the subject, the secret of leadership. Father, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. We open our hearts to receive. We open our ears to hear and our minds uh, to receive all your good seed from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everybody set. You can be seated today. <clears throat> the secret of leadership. I don't know if you have these kind of friends, but the friends that say, hey, I have something really important to tell you. But it's a really big secret, so you can't tell anybody. I don't know if I should tell you, though. I, yeah, I probably shouldn't tell you. You're like, what are you talking? Don't, don't. It, that is such a power move. Do not do that. If you said it, it's too late. You got to say the whole thing. When somebody tries to, to sell you in business, they give you, would you like to be a billionaire? Would you like to drive a boat in an airplane and live your best life now. Well, for $19.99, right now, I'll give you the, the secret on how to accomplish that. And you're like, shoot, they got me again. Because the secret brings the value. Paul, as he's writing to the uh, Philippian church, he mentions that he has a secret. And as you live in life and as you're leading and as you're uh, raising children, figuring out your own life, dating people, getting married, burying people, having a dog, cleaning up the house, changing tires, and trying to figure out all that happens in life. Paul's like, hey, I got a little secret for you guys that I would like to tell you. In this scripture, uh, in chapter one of uh, Philippians, he, he talks about this theme of freedom, and he talks about the freedom from fear. And I want you to hear what Paul says. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if I'm going to live on, and if I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. Paul's saying, I'm not scared to die. In fact, I want you guys to know, if I die, that's gain for me. And if I live, that'll work out too. So whether I live or die, I don't care. I have nothing to fear. 
There's something amazing about being free from the fear of death as a believer of God, as a child of God. You don't have to live a life that fears death. He talks about in chapter 2, freedom from the flesh, which means I don't need to let my emotions be my prison. Ooh. My emotions can inform me, but they don't have to direct me. I don't have to listen to everything I feel. In chapter 3, he talks about freedom from pride. And we all need a little bit of that today. Amen. And then in chapter 4, he goes on to talk about freedom from anxiety. But he puts it in a greater term. But I want you to realize who's writing this letter. Who is the man that is writing this letter is writing about freedom from a prison cell. That was good right there. Because he wasn't writing based off where he was. He was writing based off who he was. And he was experiencing freedom internally, even though externally he did not have the freedom that we would describe. But he goes on in chapter 4 and he puts language into the kind of freedom he's explaining. And he says, I've learned the secret. How many want the secret to be a great leader, to live your life? Three people want the secret. It's not enough. Well, for $19.99 today, if you would text 77977. He said, I'll give you the secret. The secret of being content. Woo, I thought you guys would be a lot happier than that. The secret of being content. And I want to talk to you today about how contentment unlocks our freedom. Number one, contentment manages its cravings. John 3.30, he said, he must increase, meaning God, but I must decrease. Now, that's a great verse, but most of us don't live like God must increase and we must decrease. We live like we must increase, and by uh, 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 fail of that, God decreases in our life because we become self-absorbed, trying to increase, trying to get more, trying to gain more and grab more and go after it and live the American dream. More! Give me more. There was a, a story of this ruler who had a peasant, and the peasant had nothing. And he said, I want to make a deal with you. Every bit of ground that you cover today, I will give you all the land that your feet can touch. This peasant said, one day I'm going to be a king because I'm going to have more land than him. And he start walking. This is where I'm going to build my house. This is where I'm going to put my MTV crib. I don't even know if that still exists because I was born in 1984. <laughs> This is where the doghouse is going to go. This is where I'm going to put my kid's house. This is where I'm going to put my friend because he's been super loyal to me. He's going to come. When I get rich, I'm going to hook them up too. I like them. Nope, they're going to get a gate around the house. They can't come in my land. And he's walking and dreaming and getting more and more. And he starts to get a little tired, but he says, I'm going to keep pressing through. I'm going to get more land. I'm going to take everything that God, the king has promised me. I'm just going to take it. I'm going to possess it. Thank you for the land. Thank you for uh, everything that you're giving me today. And he keeps walking, he keeps walking, he gets to the 23rd hour. He's like, I'm almost there. I'm just going to, I just need, a, I've never had this much in my life and I'm just going to get a little bit more. And almost the last hour, without realizing it, he's dehydrated. 
and he drops dead. I wonder how many of you are going for more, living for more and missing life. What if you gain the whole world and lose your soul in pursuit of a happiness that could have existed in holiness, trying to find your life, but losing your life, but those that will lose your life, you'll find your life in Christ. It's amazing to me to hear the stories over the years of people who have been trapped in an ocean of water and died of dehydration because there was something in the water that would not allow them to be fulfilled. And so they died in the midst of the water from the lack of water. And some of us are trying to fulfill our lives on so many different things and we have so many cravings to become more. And I'm not telling you to live less or be less, but you have to watch what you're craving and you have to be thankful for what God's giving you today. I used to dream of a salary I'm now starving on. Can anybody say amen? When I was a kid, I was like, one day, I'm going to have a million-dollar house. And I thought, like, wow, that's something, man. Not in San Diego. <laughs> that is not something. That is, I'm thankful for it, but that's not what I thought it would be. I thought the world would look at me and say, wow, he's a millionaire. Who can't afford gas this week? The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 27, greed brings grief to the whole family, but those who hate bribes will live. 1 Timothy 6, 9 says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. In 1 Corinthians 3, 13, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring to them light and it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. And so each of us, we're all building something. And we think when we're done building, that's what we call success. But success is not what you build. Success is what happens after what you build gets burnt and there's something that still stands. Whatever you build will be burnt. And whatever it burns and it can't burn, that will be success. And there's a lot of things in this world, hay, stubble, that will burn and won't mean anything in the next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, but there are eternity principles that you can build on that will last forever. Let's crave the righteousness of God. For those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, let them be filled. Number two, contentment doesn't compare itself to others. Philippians 4, 10 through 11, he says this, Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever circumstance I'm in. He's writing to them because they didn't send them an offering that they had said they were going to send them. And now they sent the offering. He's like, hey. I'm so happy that you actually are concerned about me again. And thanks for the offering, 
But I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Let me, let me explain this in this way. I was good before you gave me the offering. And I'll be good after you gave me the offering. And I'm going to be good even if you continue not to give me the offering. I was good before you got here. Woo! And I'll be good after you leave. So if you're ever in a relationship and, and someone's like, makes you feel like you can't live without them, just look at your history. I was good before you got here. And if you need to walk out the door, I'll be good after you leave. I don't want to be rude, but this church was good before I got here. And it would be good if I wasn't here. And this church would be good that you came, we're happy. But if you need to go somewhere else, get to packing and get to stepping because this church has a grace on it that's not determined by us. Paul had some swag. He was like, I'm good. You want to tithe? Thank you. We're good. You don't want to tithe? Don't tithe. Keep your money. Go to Walmart. I don't care. Because my dependency is not on you. It's in Jesus. I'm glad that you care about the church. I'm glad you serve here. I'm glad you, get, I'm glad you came to praise God. I'm excited about it that you showed up at 9 o'clock. Like, we're going to worship together. I'm excited you came online. I'm so excited, but not because I'm in need. I'm just excited because I love you, because he's fully met all my needs. I can freely love you. That's what 2 Corinthians said in chapter 10. For we do not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves amongst themselves are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the spear which God has appointed us and the spear which especially includes you, which means I'm not going to compare my life to your life or my calling to your calling. I'm going to be responsible with what God's doing in my life. And so I don't need to be jealous of anybody. Let somebody say amen. That was good. I don't need to hate on you because you bought a boat. In fact, I'm celebrating you because I know you're going to invite me on that boat. And when it breaks down, you're going to fix the boat. Praise God. Buy two, buy two cabins at Big Bear. Just let me come hang out sometime. Let me celebrate somebody else's blessing. I'm willing to participate in your blessing while you participate in your bill. Amen. There's freedom in not coveting other people's stuff. It's the 10th commandment. Thou shalt not covet. There's no need to compare your life or your race to everybody else's. You are unique in what God's called you to do, and you are unique in who God has called you to be. Number three, contentment is not complacent. Because when you hear contentment, you're, you might hear Complacent, but complacency and contentment are not the same thing. In fact, when Paul writes to the Philippians, he says in chapter 3, verse 13 through 14, Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call 
of God in Christ Jesus. Which means when I'm content, I'm trusting God, but it doesn't mean I don't have goals. And it doesn't mean I don't have aspirations. And it doesn't mean I don't wanna do some big things in my life. It's just from a different posture than most people. My trust in God drives me to a conviction to press forward to the mark. Some of you are like, I'm content. No, you're not content, you lazy. <laughs> Contentment's not an excuse to be lazy. It's an excuse to work harder from the right place on the right job. That's what the scripture said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not me, but the grace of God that is in me. Because when you have a revelation of the grace of God, you get to work on the things that God's called you to work on. And you're like, I work harder than all of you. But hey, not me, the grace of God in me. The grace of God doesn't make you lazy, it makes you passionate. The grace of God gets you up in the morning and says, I'm gonna do something for Jesus. The grace of God got you here at the nine o'clock service with your hands lifted high. It's not complacent, it's not apathetic. It's this contentment full of satisfaction and trust in Jesus Christ. Number four, I love this one. Contentment is not based on circumstances. As he continues to write the letter in Philippians 4, 12 through 13. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The, the way he said it in Corinthians was this way. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us. In one version it said, whether in honor or dishonor. And can I help somebody out? There will be times in your life where people will honor you. Until they're teenagers. And then there will be times in your life where people will dishonor you. But whether you honor me or whether you dishonor me, I'm not putting my hope in your honor or lack of it. He went on to say, whether they slander us or praise us. See, if you're impressed by the praise, you'll die by the criticism, they say. But whether you Say, hey, that was a great message today, pastor. Or whether you're like, that's a false prophet right there. Prosperity preacher is what he is. Whether you praise us or you slander us. Sorrowful, yet rejoicing. There was three claps right there. That was good. Online you went crazy though. I heard it in the spirit. Sorrowful, yet rejoicing. What do you mean? I'm either sorrowful or rejoicing. No, no, no. Sometimes I'm sorrowful and rejoicing. Sometimes I have a smile and a tear at the same exact moment. Sometimes I have a praise and a curse word right on the tip of my tongue at the same moment. 
Sometimes I'm giving God praise until something comes to my mind and I want to smack somebody. Sometimes life is not so event-driven, but it's all tangled up in one. And sometimes I'm crying and smiling and I don't know what to do with the human experience. I'm more like a boat in the middle of the ocean where it's water and wind all at the same time. He said, sorrowful yet rejoicing. We are ignored even though we are well known. We're known yet we're unknown. And some, you'll walk into places where they know who you are. Some people, you're sitting here today and they don't know who you are. If they knew you worked at the DMV, they'd be a little nicer, huh? Right? All of a sudden, you want to be a friend now. <laughs> Well-known, yet unknown. We live close to death, but we're still alive. Some of you have health issues, and, and, and there's been times in your life where you've depended a lot on your physical health. And when you lose your health, that is a tragedy in and of itself. But your contentment is not based off whether you're healthy or unhealthy. It's not put in that circumstance. I love this one. We give spiritual riches while being poor. One way it said, we make other people rich while we're poor. Which means you have genius ideals. And you gave somebody a thought on how to make money. And they made all kinds of money. And you are hoping that the next street is downhill so you can put the car in neutral to make it to where you need to go. You're making other people rich, but in poverty. But he said, in all of this, in all the ups and downs of life, I've learned the secret of life to be content. Can I add a few more? Divorce. Or married, single, or widow, rich, or poor, talented, clumsy, six pack, fat pack, <laughs> full head of hair going bald, no hair. A car or a scooter, a bus pass or an Uber, a bike, a nice kid or a mean kid, sickness or health, a good sermon, a bad one, a sneeze. You're like, why did you call me out in church? You can't sneeze these days. It's dangerous. Or no sneeze. But in all of this, all of this experience called life, I've learned the secret to be content. 
not based off of my circumstance, but based off of this next line. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am content not on my circumstance. I am content on the power of my Savior. I am content that I depend on Christ alone. Contentment is not based off of circumstance. Number five, contentment is in Christ. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ's power and sufficiency for every circumstance of my life. Not self-sufficiency, Christ's sufficiency. When I say contentment and I describe the people who are teaching us in the Bible about contentment, it's not the kind of people you think they were. Paul is a type A maniac. He goes on boat trips, he starts churches. Before he was saved, he was killing people. He was, he was a pioneer. He was rough. He was like some of you, driving everybody crazy around you, making everybody live up to your level of excellence. With your OCD, making everyone around the house walk on eggshells. That was Paul, but he's like, oh, I've learned. He wasn't naturally that way. He learned. I'm not saying this is your personality type. I'm saying you have to learn some things. For me, uh, I'm not very affectionate. I'm not very affirming. Um, but I've learned that if I don't do that, I mess up my kids. I've learned. That if I don't show people I love them, they won't know that I love them. Some of us need to not just flow into what's natural, but we got to learn some new things in our life. Learn some new behaviors. And say, I'm going to do something different. And expect different results. I've learned to be content. What about David? David, he was, he was, man, he was a musician, which means he was extremely emotional. Not, that was not towards you. It just, <laughs> there's no drummer. If there was a drummer there, I would have done that. Come on, let's get the musicians up here. Bunch of emotional people. Uh -huh. Can't just single out one person. Gotta single out the whole band. He was emotional, but he's also a warrior. Sometimes he's in caves. He's also playing harps. He drops in the wrong DM sometimes. And he writes Psalm 23. And he starts off with a position. And then he explains the process. The process was, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm at a table in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy. He, he talks about the process of his life. But not before he starts at the position of his life. You know what the position was? The Lord is my shepherd. 
I lack no good thing. <laughs> and because I'm in the position of I lack nothing because everything I need now for the future I already possess in Christ, I can face the process. The, the older brother in Luke 15, the older brother of the prodigal son, he refused the position so he had to go through the process. And he said, Dad, why are you bringing that little jerk back? You've never done this for me. You've never thrown a party for me. I've been so faithful. I've been such a good kid. I'm an honor roll student. He didn't say that, but I'm adding it because it sounds more modern. And the father's like, man, this guy has to go through the process because he doesn't understand the position and he says these wonderful words to him in Luke 15, I think it's 31, he says, son, I've always been with you and everything you see is yours. But because you don't believe that, you keep going through processes while I'm trying to get you back to positions. Sometimes I fight people to like keep them from going into a process that's un, that feels like it's unnecessary because I'm trying to get them to stand in a position. But the enemy like waves carrots. He's like, I got this for you. I got that for you. I'm like, no, you don't need anything because you have everything you need now and for the future in Christ. He's always with you. He's always with you and everything you see is yours. You're a king's kid. Don't go eat scraps at other tables when you have access to the king's table. But whether you start in that position, Lord's my shepherd, I lack no good thing. He's always with me and everything you see is yours. Or you're like, no, you're holding me back. No, I, I gotta go get it for myself, I gotta go find it. God's so gracious that what you're gonna learn in your process is that it's all about the position. And so whether you start from a position or you start from the process, you're gonna end up back in the position. Because when relationship doesn't feed you and ministry doesn't feed you and titles don't feed you and when, when money doesn't feed you, you're gonna be like, all of this that promised to feed me is not fulfilling me or feeding me. It's like, no, it's always been about the position. It's always been about being content in my arms. It's always been about your strength being my strength in you. It's always been about me walking with you and loving you and holding, it's always been about that. So many times we make it about so many other things. This is the whole message today. And I think this service is divinely orchestrated for you. I was hearing the songs today. I was like, oh, I think they, they're singing my message right now. That we're gonna build our life, that we're gonna trust God's faithfulness. Like, no, give me some to-dos right now. Give me some, no, I, I got something better than whatever you do. Whatever you do. Wherever you go eat afterwards. It's more about the position than it is the process. And the process is always bringing you back to the position. What's the position? That I am the righteousness of God. God deeply loves me. Contentment, there's peace when you depend on Jesus. There's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And at his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. Contentment is I'm 
immovable, unshakable, built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. I've been through some storms, but I just used the water to help with more fruit in my life. I've been through some winds, but I just used the broken pieces of my life to get back to where God called me to be. And I floated on broken pieces like Paul did in the midst of the sea. Paul says, in all this, from a prison cell. Couldn't you see Paul like, like an old wise man with a cup of coffee? Perhaps a non-tobacco cigar. No, that was inappropriate, okay, with a cup of coffee. Say, listen, church, I've learned the secret of life. For all you that are striving, for all you that feel that your identity and success and self-justification depends on what happens next in your life. I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret of being content. Like a baby in the arms of its parent, trusting not by willpower, but by this natural means of affection, depending on its parent as a source, being developed and loved and cherished. I've learned, whatever situation you're in, learn the secret. To be content. Father, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. Man, there's a lot of desires and fights and trying to be understood and trying to understand people. There's a lot of details to try to walk through life. There's a lot of betrayals and hurts. There's a lot of loss, love, and there's a lot of reasons to be offended. There's a lot of distracting things that come along the path and the journey. But we receive the lesson from your word, from the words of Paul, from all his beatings and nakedness from all his uh, uh, shipwrecks and missionary events and uh, his prison time, we receive the secret, the secret of contentment in Christ alone. That that God-sized void that can be only filled by you. We take on the wisdom of ages in this moment to learn this secret and to receive it through the power of your word. Would you stand to your feet?